Hello, you're listening to Just Screen It, Case Studies in Creative Distribution. I am your host, Colin Stryker, and I am not an expert in creative or self-distribution. I'm an independent filmmaker working towards making my first narrative feature, uh, a horror film entitled The Grove. Um, so as I've been contemplating my own eventual distribution strategy, I've become sort of fascinated with the notion of self-distribution, but I've found that it's really hard with all the information that's out there to uh, really get a good idea of how it's worked for people. So I decided to start this podcast to help capture some of the experiences of those who have already been through it, uh, whether successful or otherwise, and from those experiences, help both listeners and myself better understand this really complex, crazy landscape of independent film distribution today. So each week, I'll be bringing on a filmmaker who has self-distributed or used creative or non-traditional methods to distribute their film. Uh, my hope is that future filmmakers can take the knowledge gleaned from this show and use it to make their own decisions on how to best distribute their films. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm interviewing Stacy Malton. Uh, now, Stacy falls into that category of filmmakers who actually has gotten distribution for their movies. But in this day and age, I think there's still plenty for filmmakers who are leaning towards self-distribution to take away here. Uh, in fact, I'm learning more and more that this distinction between distribution and self-distribution isn't always so clear cut, uh, and that even filmmakers who get some form of distribution still end up working very, very hard to promote and market their films alongside whatever distribution deal they do get. Um, in this interview, Stacy talks about she and her partner's experience in making and distributing their first feature called Landing Up, uh, and then some good, honest discussion about the release of their latest feature, Triple Threat, put out by Gravitas. Uh, along the way, Stacy exudes her love of filmmaking and offers a wealth of wisdom and invaluable advice for independent filmmakers. So I'm Stacey Malton. I'm a filmmaker. I started out as an actor. I have been acting since I was a little kid. I went to NYU for a drama, mm -hmm. realized while I was at NYU that I uh, did not enjoy the out of control aspect of <laughs> being an actor and that there were, at the time, theater, there was a lot of plays that I wanted to do that weren't being done there. My agent had been sending me on roles that were like, you know, I don't know, like flat chested girl at club is the story I tell a lot because that was a real uh, mind fuck for me. Can I curse on this show? <laughs> yeah, 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 please. I was also in a movie no I should ask. No problem. Um, Tell it like it is. <laughs> uh, so I started producing theater first. I started producing shows that were a little edgy, a little gritty, things that I was interested in doing. Uh, then I got into writing and I started writing my own stuff. I got, I actually got involved in film when I was living in Tel Aviv. Uh, I took an internship for a summer that was in Tel Aviv and I was like, I produce theater. I could help produce film because I got involved from, with some film school students there. So I started helping produce their film and I was like, oh my God, film is amazing. Like, <laughs> this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. So I started writing film scripts. The first feature I wrote got picked up by the blacklist and they produced it as a radio play. And that was super cool because some really big actors were involved and I was really into that. And I, so I kept writing and I was writing features and then I made the leap into directing, which is where, where I've been doing most of my time since then. Cool. Why don't we move from that into what your kind of your first film was, your first feature film and, and how that went. Just, you know, brief story about it. We'll get to kind of talking about distribution in more detail later, but just to kind of, just to give some background and context. 
The first feature that was fully produced uh, was called Landing Up. It was about a homeless girl who didn't really look homeless, but she was. And she used people, either men or older women, to take pity on her. And she hmm. played their sympathies and give her a place to stay. Oh, cool. um, we shot for like 15 days in New York. It was uh-huh. awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. okay. Can you speak to the kind of the budget at all of, of that film? The budget of that film was fairly small. It was like 60000 maybe. Okay. Did you get some kind of outside financing for it? A, a little bit. We we had some crowdfunding. Yeah, it was a little bit of outside money, a little bit of crowdfunding. Okay. And I'm sorry, when you say we... Uh, me and my partner. My, so yeah. my partner. So we have a commercial production company together and we are married and we make movies together. Oh, okay. Cool. So then what happened with Landing Up when you got it finished? Um, did you try to get it distributed? How did that, you know, just take, take me through kind of the initial yeah. stages of that? Oh, we and also, well, like, what, what, when are we talking about? Like, what year about? So we shot landing up in 2015, like July, August of 2015. We did some pickup shoots for it around October of 2015, and then we did post for most of 2016. We did festivals in 2017, and it was distributed in May of 2018. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, did you did you apply to film festivals? Did you approach distributors directly? Like, how did that all work? Uh, yeah, we did film festivals. So we did. Okay. We premiered at Dances with Films in LA, mm-hmm. which was honestly at the time it was so awesome, and mm-hmm. they had tons of people there. That's where we got a sales agent attached to the project. And oh, cool. they are the ones who helped get our distributor for it. Okay. And who was the distributor? Uh, well, at the time it was The Orchard okay. and they yeah. are now 1941 Entertainment. Okay. All right. So how did that go? Like once you got the film, uh, I mean, was it a, was it a struggle to find that sales agent, find that dis- distributor or did that all come together really quick? I mean, it sounds like it was really easy, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> compared to a lot of filmmaker experiences. So maybe you can take us through that story a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say that it was easy, but also that film, we were lucky in that we had we had some nice names in it. Ben Rappaport was in it and he was one of the leads and he has done a lot of TV work, a lot of Broadway. Like he was somebody that people knew and also one of the leads was Adina Hines, who is um, Morgan Freeman's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And she was very tragically murdered before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And it uh it was it was it was actually really strange because people were very interested in the movie because of that, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of sensationalism, there was a lot of tabloid coverage of what happened to her, and a lot of people were interested in seeing her last film. So it felt very strange at times to navigate that and to navigate the tenderness around that. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. But yeah. you know, like Mor- Morgan Freeman came to the premiere of the film. Okay, right. So mm-hmm. I- I'm sure that that's why certain things happened for yeah. us. Uh, it-, it was it was really challenging dealing with some of that because she also had become a friend. I was mm-hmm. close to her. And so sure. it was all like really hard dealing with the circumstances of that but yeah so again like i wouldn't i wouldn't say that it was easy we had offers from a few different companies getting back to distribution yeah. um and i actually would not say that 
the orchard was the best offer. We actually had some other offers that were a little bit more lucrative or who were offering us more things. We went with the orchard because they had a proven track record and a fairly large name. And they had an output deal with Sony Pictures Classics. So their films, it was some sort of like co-deal where they were the outputter, but Sony also funneled it through their channels. Mm -hmm. Uh, So long-term, we liked that. We liked the relationship that they had and we decided that that would be good for us in terms of the names that we had attached to the movie. Yeah, and was it? I mean, did it work out the way that you hoped or expected? Uh, yeah, uh, we still get checks from the movie. Oh, okay. That's pretty um, good. You know, I, not a lot of money, but like, you know, we, they, people talk a lot about honesty and distributors. And I will say that, you know, we've received every quarter we get reports, um, yeah. fully laying it all out on time. I've never felt like they were dishonest with us or something like that. It was, and we got a lot of, because they put the trailer on their YouTube channel, it got a lot of views. Um, And we also got a lot of views on our own channels that we were putting it on. But I think people were driven there by, you know, the outreach that was happening with the companies who were attached to it. Yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, that's that sounds like a real success story uh, compared to a lot of indie filmmakers. I think so. Once you kind of got on board with this distributor, first of all, can you take us through like what what kind of exhibition did you get from it? Was there theatrical distribution attached? Was it you know all streaming no. DVD? It all like streaming. it was all streaming. Uh, okay. No, and DVD. We did have DVD. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Were you hoping for theatrical, or was that was that kind of okay that you didn't? land that honestly no i mean i had done enough research and i'd had other friends whose movies had came out shortly before ours so i was never too hopeful for it i mean even then before covid the theatrical market was way down especially in independent film they had said that if we wanted to four wall places you know they would give us support whatever that means but yeah we would have had to pay for it yeah. So we ultimately decided against it. Right. So um, I, like, were you sort of, and, and not to not to put you too much on the gun for talking about the, the internals or anything like that. So feel free to, you know, decline to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But did they do a lot for the movie? Did they, you know, kind of put it out there marketing wise or did, did they count on you to do a lot of that kind of thing? How did that shake out? Yeah. I mean, so they did, like I said, put it out on their YouTube channels and their, they did do certain marketing, which I think helped because, and again, we went with them because they were a proven brand people. Mm-hmm. They had distributed several movies much larger than ours, which with much bigger named cast. And so people did look to them, I think for quality independent films. And so that's why we went with them. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself, I think helped us. Um, somehow we got on like the top 10 films on iTunes in Sweden. I don't know how this happened because we did no marketing yeah. internationally really, but somehow we were on like the top 10 films in Sweden for like two weeks with Moonrise Kingdom and The Darkest Hour and like these crazy huge movies. And I was like, what is going on? And <laughs> wow. am I now famous in Sweden? I don't yeah. think I am. <laughs> no, that being said, we did a lot, almost all of it, we did ourselves. Like we, yeah. you know, cut our own trailer. We did our own poster. We did, I cut tons of clips for Instagram, which they did repost. And, you know, they did put those out there, but I did the work on them in terms of like all the content. I mm-hmm. cut 
I don't even know how many now, but many little, you know, 20 to 30 second teasers of each character of little flashy things to drive people to the content. I did mm-hmm. all of that. Okay. Yeah. And did- we had our own PR also. Okay. It. So we right. hired our own PR team. Okay. So you, you, it sounds like you were, you know, after you made this deal, you were still ready, willing, and able to kind of sink some more money into marketing it and promoting it on your own and not depending upon Orchard to do all of that themselves. Yeah. yeah both work-wise and money-wise you were like, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is that something and that I would you... say it was, I mean, yeah, the PR cost money, but yeah. it was, you know, it's mostly time. It's, it's, a, it was, yeah. a, we put a lot of time and effort into the marketing and in terms of like what we output for it. Yeah, I bet. Um, Is that something that you budgeted for ahead of time or did you just kind of make the film and then put it out there and then like, okay, we got to spend some money to market and you just kind of cobbled together what you needed to to do or somewhere in between? I mean, all the stuff that we created, like all those assets, we just Mm -hmm. did them for free. (laughs) We didn't charge ourselves to do them. We just did them. So I guess time is money, but you know, we didn't pay for that. The PR, no, we did not have the money up front for that. You know, what was excellent for that was those credit cards that are no fee for a year, like no interest <laughs> for a year. That's excellent. Cause you can pay that off over a year and it was super helpful. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Well, as long as you're able to pay it off, <laughs> that's the key, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you just decide, okay, like this is what I'm going to pay off this year. Yeah. Right. And right, it right. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. You know, it was, you, you could, you, made a guess that you would be able to afford to pay those pay that debt back rather than going into like unmanageable debt <laughs> like i think no, some filmmakers maybe do it was one right. of those things where we didn't want to lay out all that cash up front but we did yeah. know over the course of a year paying it off we would be able to do that yeah cool so because can at I... that time it was just our money <laughs> yeah right so by the time I... we got there all the other money was gone yeah 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 i bet right um so can i ask did you ever make that money back do you think um, and again, decline if you at, want. Uh, I'd have to look at my spreadsheet to really know. I don't know if we ever made back everything we put into the movie. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, okay. But getting checks every quarter makes me feel like I am. So. <laughs> hey, getting checks, you know, how many years later, five, six, seven years later uh, for something is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, the truth was, was it wasn't that we didn't need the money to make it back. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it, it's not like, neither of us are wealthy people. Like we don't, you know, have that, but you know, we are a married couple. We don't have kids and we basically took the money that we got for our wedding and put it into like that Mm. part of it, (laughs) you know? So it was like money that was again, not free. And it's again, again, neither of us are wealthy and I can't tell everybody that that's what they should do with their money. But for us, it was an investment in our careers and in the future of what we were doing. And it made sense at the time. And I, it still makes sense to me now, Yeah, you know, like, I don't know if anybody would have invested in us in that way at that time. I mean, now people do like on our next feature, we did have more investors. We did have people who very much believed in what we were doing and did Mm -hmm. give us put up money for that. Um, but you know, it was, we were very young and unproven. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, going into indie filmmaking, I think you kind of have to take it with that attitude. You have to be ready to kind of sink your heart and soul into it and some money into it probably, you know, uh, unless you have some very fortunate circumstances. No. And we did. And I mean, you know, the two of us, we were working for the whole time we were filming, we were working full time and we Mm -hmm. were 
both, you know, dealing with clients and with other shoots and we were editing, like we were, we would be editing like early in the morning and we'd trade off like who got up to like do mm. stuff. And, you know, then we'd be on site and we'd have to be answering things. Like I was doing, I mean, and I don't do this now, but at the time I was doing like photo doubling work on bigger TV shows. Cause I'm in SAG and they pay pretty well to do that. And I'd like be on set on some like big TV show, like photo doubling. I think I was I was photo doubling for Carrie Russell on The Americans at the time. And I'd be on the set, like picking the AD's ears. And I'm like, I'm making this movie. And like, tell me, like, is this like, and I'm showing them my like uh, movie magic schedule being like, is it, does this look right to you? Yeah, that's <laughs> Aren't great. you the photo double? And I'd be like, yes, but I'm actually a filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's move on then to kind of your next endeavor. Um, was there something between landing up and triple threat? Sort of. I okay. produced Mars and I produced a feature and Mars was also, sorry, my partner, Margarita, who goes by Mars, who mm-hmm. was not able to join us tonight. Um, Mars is my production company partner in Besties Make Movies, which is a separate company than my company with my partner, Donnie. Um, but we okay. all work together and we're all a big, happy family. Right. Um, but and Mars was a producer on Landing Up. Mars and I together produced a feature called Big Exit that was a really crazy story. We should just skip over it. <laughs> okay, I whatever mean, you honestly, want. only because we were very much like not so involved in the distribution process of it. Sure. So if we're focusing on distribution, then yeah. we should go to Triple Threat. Um, so Triple Threat, um, <laughs> Triple Threat is a really interesting story of how it was made because yeah. when we started it, we had just been coming off of the distribution of Landing Up. And I'd basically spent six months doing all the work on promoting Landing Up. And it mm-hmm. was a lot of work, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily creative or on set. It was really like, this is what we need to do. We need to be editing like X amount of clips. They need to be going out like, yep. you know, how many times a week into these platforms and learning how to market social media, which I have taught myself a lot at over the years, <laughs> but it's still super challenging. Yep. Um, I hear you. (laughs) And, and, you know, like I said, we were doing all of that ourselves. So, you know, I was getting a little bit burnt out on that process. Mm -hmm. And I had had this inkling, this sort of like meandering of an idea, if you will, for a movie about a man who wanted to have a kid Mm -hmm. in this friendship of these people who were taking a musical to Broadway. And I'd had this idea for a minute and I had like 20 pages of a script written And I was like, maybe this is a short film, you know, maybe we see this play out in like, maybe it's like one night at this college party where these people have these huge dreams. And then we see like a cut to how that it's played out. And this guy has like had a kid, you know, I didn't really know what it was, but I asked um, Mars and my, uh, my other best friend, Jay, who plays Gus in Triple Mm -hmm. Thread. And he and I have been making art together since we were teenagers Mm. running around New York being crazy. Like he's one of my oldest friends. Yeah. And I was like, do you guys want to get together over a weekend and kind of like fuck around and see what's up with this movie? And and they were like, yeah. And so we brought everybody together that weekend. I mean, it was so micro, micro budget. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there was basically no budget. You know, we fed everybody that weekend and everybody had a great time. And that is what is now basically the first 10 minutes of the movie, like this college party, this threesome scene. Um, all of that was filmed over the course of this weekend. Mm -hmm. I started editing the footage and I was like, you know, I don't think this is a short film. I was like, I don't think this is going to work as a short. What do y'all think about if we make this into a feature? And they were like, what? Um, 
they were like, but we just filmed for this weekend. I was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, but also, I don't think we can make a movie talking about making a musical. Like if they're going to make a musical, like we got to see the musical. I was like, let's take a breath. We get some music developed. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, get some music developed. Oh, yeah. like, it's going to be great. So Jay came on and he finished writing the script with me. Like we ended up co-writing the rest of the feature together. And we ended up going out to a guy who has become one of our investors. And we asked him at the time to help us basically finance the music production. Cause we were like, okay, we need X amount of music. And we found people who were gonna arrange it and put it all together. And we were like, but we really need the music to be developed before anything can happen because mm -hmm. we needed it recorded to actually be able to film all those scenes. So what we really started with was we cast the, we cast all like the musical theater mm -hmm. parts mm -hmm. in it. Like I'm thinking ahead with casting. Most of those people are on Broadway right now in various wow. Oh, cool. Um, okay. And they weren't at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and they know, well, you they must have a good eye for talent. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, yeah, like one of those things. Um, so we cast, like, basically anybody who was involved in the singing and the dancing scenes, we got those people. Right. And we rehearsed all the music. We recorded the music. And then over a week in... Like six months after we filmed the first, that first little weekend, we had raised enough money with the music production and with some other people who came on board to help us who had liked landing up and who had liked some of our other pieces. Like, cause we'd also made a bunch of shorts. Okay. We're only talking about features right now, but we'd made yep. several shorts in this okay. time. So we basically shot over a week in April, all of the musical theater numbers. Mm -hmm. Wow. That I to do. Oh, okay. So actually the only number that we didn't film that week was the pool dance. If anybody watches, okay. there's a dance in a pool and it's right. like very sexy. Dance. So that actually yep. came later. Yeah. So, okay. okay. So this is why triple dart is such like a strange thing because so over that week we filmed firefly, we filmed closing the gap. We filmed all of the scenes with those friends. We filmed another dance scene that happens in a rehearsal studio. Like we basically filmed anything that happens with the ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. That all happened over that week. Then we ran out of money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were like, great. So we did, we took that footage. We cut it into a little sizzle. We did a crowdfunding campaign and we hit up like other investors and other people who we had been connected to. Yeah. And we were like, this is what we have. Now we're going to finish the movie. Can you help us like get through the rest of it? Yeah. And that worked, that helped. We were basically fundraising the whole time and we filmed the rest of the movie over like four day weekends throughout the rest of that summer, the summer of wow. 2019. So okay. we did not shoot it consecutively like we shot Landing Up. We, we yeah, we filmed over weekends throughout mm -hmm. the summer. And along the way, one of the you know blessings and curses of doing it this way was I was able to look at footage, you know, often and sort of understand where things weren't working and where yep. things maybe needed to be added. And I was like, we need a show-stopping ballad number that's going to like bring down the house at the 11th hour and it needs to be the sensual dance. <laughs> and that's where that pool dance came in and that was later oh, cool. and that was like a whole other thing that we recorded and arranged like several months later into right. it. And really the pool scene came out of the fact that we had to shoot. So part of how we financed the film was with the New York tax credit, uh -huh. um, oh, yeah. which they've actually changed the rules now. So you have to make 
um, your movie has to be 1.3 million at least now. But mm-hmm. I've actually produced several films before that happened. And it, as long as it was a certain length, it could be any budget. And oh, you got okay. back 30% on your yep. qualified costs. And it's like an amazing way to do it. And we had somebody who agreed to give us a loan against the tax credit at like 0% interest. So we were able to like with our line producer, like, you know, figure out what that amount of money was. But one of the requirements for the tax credit was that you have to film in a qualified soundstage for one mm-hmm. full day and you have to build a set that has at least three walls. Interesting. So we built a four-walled pool and filled it up. And we, because we'd been like, what are we going to film at the soundstage? You know, what are we going to do? What is it going to be? And uh, the it was not written in the script to be a pool dance. It was written to be a void. And oh, wow. my DP, when we were, who's Donnie, my partner, he was like, have you seen Under the Skin? I said, of course I've seen Under the Skin. We saw yeah. it together. Yeah. <laughs> that, actually, now that now that you mentioned that, it definitely reminds me of that. I hadn't, I hadn't yeah. made that connection, but now I get it. <laughs> yeah. He pulled up that scene. We looked at, you know, Scarlett Johansson disappearing into yep. this void. And he was like, I think we can build that. And I think we can do it in water. So yeah. you think we can wow. do it in water? He's like, do you think you and Jay can dance in water? I was like, Jay and I can dance in water. <laughs> Let's do it. So, so we did it. And that was, that was a part of how, yeah, we had the movie get made, but it was definitely non-traditional for sure. It was not yeah. a traditional process whatsoever. And it was really only made with a lot of love from our independent film community that is really so incredible that, you yeah. know, I highly suggest having a community of people that you also want to like help them work on their films, give back, you know, we try to do that as often and in any way that we can because of how people have come through for us. Like, I think it's really important as artists to help each other. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. So uh, you finished the movie. Actually, can you, can you speak to the budget of that one at all? It was around a hundred thousand by the time we were all in. Wow. Okay. It looks like it was made for a lot more than a hundred thousand. I'll say right now. So uh, yeah. yeah. Well done. <laughs> um, I, I would have, I, mean, I would have, but that also goes quite a bit higher. That we all do a lot of things and yeah. in post too, you know, like yeah. we all, we edit, we do, we had people who helped. We did have a team of visual effects people, but like, we also did a lot of it ourselves, you know? Well, and that's, I think that's where the community comes in too, because yeah. when you have a community, you don't necessarily, your budget doesn't necessarily, what you put into the movie doesn't, isn't necessarily reflected by the budget because you put in a lot from just the goodwill of people and the partners that you're working with and the community that you're work, working with and that kind of thing. So okay. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, uh, you finished that up when, uh, about ish. Did you finish post-production on that? Did we finish post-production on it? Okay. Yeah. So Unless yeah, there's I, anything you want to say about post-production. Well, I mean, the only thing relevant, but... go ahead. The only thing I'll say about it is that we shot our last scene, like the very last, we were like, we need a little, uh, the scene of me and Mars, like running up excited about Broadway. We filmed that mm-hmm. in January of 2020. Okay. Oh, wow. Right before. So <laughs> then the world shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we did almost all of post. No, we did all of post, you know, during COVID. So, yeah. you know, we were doing some ADR, some musical ADR. Like I had to mail microphones out to people who were all over the country at that point with yeah. their families or it was, it was really a wild time. <laughs> I bet. Yep. It was a wild time for everybody in all sorts <laughs> of different ways, but for filmmakers in particular, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you think like, okay, like I have all, you know, I have this thing, this thing and how do I finish it? Yep. How do I, how do I finish it? 
Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Well, um, at least you got it shot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so many productions, I think, were like in the middle of shooting when COVID hit. And then like, what the fuck do you do? Yeah. You know? So that's yeah. true. Yeah. We had one. The only thing we really did in like around June, I, w- I needed to do an insert of Aramy who plays Griffin Voss. And I needed, I needed him in sort of the same photo that Jay had previously been in because like he ends up taking over that role uh-huh. and we went up to his apartment in Harlem outside on the street and like this was before vaccines this was like you yeah, know, really yeah, yeah. COVID COVID times right. and like I held up a green screen like this <laughs> like turning my head away like holding it up so he could like pose in front of the green screen and Donnie like took the pictures like right <laughs> Right. Everybody it. was so guerrilla style. It was so yeah. so guerrilla. There are so many strange stories coming out of that COVID time for how people kind of rallied to get their films finished in whatever way they could, you know, with with those circumstances. So yeah, that's great. And then like speaking to distribution, all the festivals were also virtual. Yep. You know? So that was also really wild because we did do festivals and it was great. Mm-hmm. It was also really strange doing them virtually. You know, we weren't sure what was going to happen. We did do eventually there were a couple the next the following summer that were in person that we got to go to in person. Um, We did one screening at a drive in, which actually was great. Mm -hmm. And we threw it ourselves. Actually, we got we got the theater to partner with us and um, we sold tickets, but it was like a ticket sales split. And we did a partnership with the um, Indie Theater Fund, and um, both of us donated like a percentage of the proceeds to that. So it was Mm. like also a fundraiser for theater artists who had been struggling during that time. So it was like, it was a nice opportunity to do that screening. But that was, you know, seeing it on that driving screen, I was like, that's it. That might be the only time I see it on a big screen. (laughs) It wasn't. But, uh, you know, I thought at the time that it might be. Yep. Yeah. Strange times. Um, yeah. I mean, w- were you hoping for like a big festival run and to be able to go to all of these festivals and things like that? Was that pretty, yeah, pretty disappointing then when that happened. So h- in the end though, how was, how was the festival experience in general, uh, you know, other than the weirdness of it, did it still work out pretty well? Did you get good audiences, good feedback, that kind of thing, reviews, all the kinds yeah, of things that you want did. out of festivals? But it's hard to say what the audiences were yeah. like. They were virtual. I mean, yeah. it was nice. Actually, what was nice was because they were virtual, most of the festivals did a uh, ticket profit splitting with the filmmakers. Wow. So as long as you had a certain number of views on your film. So huh. we actually like made some money on several. Yeah. Of the, we also had several festivals, which this had not been a thing when we did Landing Up, but who actually paid us a screening fee for the film. Like we didn't apply. They reached out to us and they asked us for the film huh. and um, they paid us a fee to screen it, which was amazing. Yeah. So that was my first time experiencing something like that. And that was really cool. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, but it's, it's hard to say what audiences were like because we weren't, you know, like it wasn't like yeah. we were there with audiences. Right. Um, and they don't, I guess they don't in those like methods of screening, they don't, they don't have any way of knowing how many people are logged in and watching or anything like that. They can't collect that information. Oh, they did. Like at CineQuest, they did send us that data because it was okay. all, all of the, what they paid out was based on how many people watched it. So yeah, right. I mean, several hundred people watched it, which was awesome. But you um, have no idea what they thought about it, right? Is that- No, we got yeah. no feedback. Okay. Like there that. wasn't, I mean, there weren't like virtual Q&As or anything like that? There were virtual Q&As, but most of the time it was a Q&A with like me and Mars and maybe Jay um, yeah. with the festival director. Oh, okay. But it wasn't, 
necessarily people from the festival asking questions live. It was either we also did some pre-recorded Q and A's, like mm-hmm. we where I edited them together for the festival and sent them in, and they just put that on their virtual platforms that like after the movie, you could watch this Q and A that we had done. I think there was only like one festival maybe that was like with oh, audience okay. members who could actually ask questions in real yeah. time. Yeah. Cause that's one of the great parts of festivals is just being able to get up in front of an audience and have an exchange with them about your movie. At least for me, that's, you know, one of the greatest experiences for as a filmmaker. Yeah. So yeah, that's disappointing to not have that. So um, yeah. So take us through then what happened with triple threat for, you know, distribution wise, um, was there, I mean, did you have distribution attached beforehand or was it also some, a situation where you found it after it afterwards, you know, yeah. Take us through that. Like how, how did you get your distribution? Well, we did have a sales agent, but that sales agent, interestingly, didn't end up selling the film, but they did, they did help us in a sort of backhand way, get a better deal with the distributor that we eventually went with because eventually our publicist introduced us to Gravitas who distributed it and they had offered us some money up front, but then the sales agent who called us because they had basically said, you know, they had been trying, they hadn't gotten any bites. And then they, and they were like, so if you want to also try on your own, like, it's fine. Like, we're not going to stop you and we won't take a percentage of it. And we were like, okay, we're going to also try on our own. Mm. And then as this sort of conversation was happening with Gravitas, they call us and they were like, we actually got an offer and it was for, you know, X amount of money. And we were like, huh. So we like went back to Gravitas and we're like, can you match that? And they said, yes. And so we ended up going with Gravitas because that was, that was who we wanted to go with. Okay. I mean, is there anything more you can say about that? Was there anything in particular that was interesting to you about that deal versus other deals or? Um, Look, uh, Gravitas has a big reputation in the industry. I'm Mm -hmm. sure people are like talking to you about distribution. I'm sure like, you know, you've heard about it. We were aware of all those feelings that people had had. And the person that we were talking to did make us feel really good about it. Like we had a lot of, and actually I still cut the trailer myself. However, I will say that their marketing team gave significant feedback on it. Hmm. And I think that their feedback was really key in getting it to where it is now. Like the trailer that you see there now, I think Mm -hmm. that it had a lot of stuff in it before that it didn't need and it wasn't as snappy and they were like very involved in that process even though i was physically the one editing it. yeah oh that's cool um, i mean and i mean if, if they had feedback that resulted in improvements to it you know that's great as opposed to i could see being in a situation where they have feedback that you don't agree with at all and you don't want to do and like what do you do then you know you want to make them happy but you want to make yourself happy too so um you know it's great that that aligned Um, Yeah. I mean, look, like some of it was hard because they really felt strongly that it needed to be at a certain length and they had given certain suggestions for that. And there was a point which I was like, I don't know how I keep the story and get it down to this, but really like ultimately sort of trusting their expertise in a way of what they thought would work, I think did work, you know? And I think that they gave those, that feedback for a reason. And I was very happy with the the final trailer product. 
Yeah, that's great. So since then, like what what's kind of happened with, with the film in terms of distribution? Have you been happy with the with the distribution and you know how yeah, it's gone? Yeah, I mean, look, it's on all the platforms, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was they did a TVOD release first. We actually yeah. did have a really cool premiere party at a cinema. Uh-huh. So we did do like a night at a cinema and it was awesome. It was oh, that's really, cool. Really cool. In New York, like, I imagine. In New York yeah. with like a big red carpet and oh, like awesome. photographers. And that was really cool. And, you know, all of us were really excited that that night came through concurrently with the release because we hadn't gotten to have that because of COVID, yeah. like I said before. So having that night having that big premiere and that big push and that press and those photos and the good reviews that were coming out out of that because we had press in the audience that night like that was all really helpful I think towards getting eyeballs on the film yeah Um, Gravitas did do some nice things marketing wise with pushing pre-sales and pushing people to you know buy the film also before it came out again I did all the work on those materials on the marketing they sent us examples of what they thought we should do Mm -hmm. and you know I sort of did my version of that and they approved them or not, but no, they did. I don't think there was ever anything they didn't approve. I mean, do they have, is, is it in the contract that they have to approve that? Like, can you do your own marketing materials and if they don't like them tough, or is that something that you have to kind of, well, if they uh, didn't like anything, like the trailer, like they would come back to me and say it, there was also a moment in the trailer that we had to change specifically for Apple TV because this is so stupid. (laughs) There's a poster in the doctor's office of, you know, like they're having a baby. And so the poster is of like a reproductive thing. It's like a medical Um, thing. And for Apple TV specifically, we had to change that shot that was in the trailer. And I was like, are you serious? Uh, Because it was deemed obscene or something? Yes. Oh God. And it was literally a medical poster. And so uh, that was like the one thing like, you know, QC wise that they were like, yeah, just for Apple, we're going to have to change that. Cause that, the other, the trailer with that poster went up everywhere else. Oh God. I'm sorry. That was a trailer. So did you actually cut, you cut a specific trailer for Apple TV, mm-hmm. like yeah. for that. You didn't change the trailer for anything else, just for Apple TV. Just for Apple TV. That's just insane. <laughs> That's just insane. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, I mean, how have the returns been? If you don't mind my asking, how how's how's the money uh, coming back been? Can you comment on that at all? Good. I mean, the truth is that, like, I don't really want to speak like exact numbers, but mm-hmm. because they did give us an upfront payment for the film, which. Mm-hmm we were grateful for because everybody told us that that could not happen and that we would not get that as an independent film. And we did not get that for landing up, by the way, like they gave us the money up front. Um, It was just a 70, 30 split. Um, We did get money up front. So we actually don't, we won't get actual checks until like they get, they, they make their money back. But like now we get like the quarterly reports, which yeah, people are watching the movie. It's doing well. Like I said, like we just put it out internationally. Like, yeah, people are watching it for sure. But like, you know, it can take some time to make, you know. Right, right. Unlike with Landing Up, we started getting checks every quarter because they didn't give us money up front. Mm -hmm. So we, all the checks were like the split of the movie. With this, they make their money back before we get any more money. (laughs) 
Right. Do you have a cap on that, like a, a, a an expenses cap of some sort? Because I know that that's a problem sometimes with these deals, that there's no cap, and then they can just say they put whatever they did into marketing and basically use that as a way to never give you any money back at all. No, there's a cap, and we yeah. negotiated that down. That's good. Okay. Okay. Did you have a good lawyer that worked on that contract with you? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Very important. Let's emphasize that for filmmakers. Get a good lawyer. Let me emphasize that this lawyer <laughs> was really amazing and really incredible and did a lot of work for us for very little money. And we're wow. very grateful for him because we got, I think, some really great legal help for, you know, and we're very grateful that he was on the indie film. Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, can't, I personally just can't emphasize that enough for filmmakers that having good legal advice is really, really important. Um, and, have, you know, finding a lawyer that you can trust, not just somebody that you just hire randomly, but somebody that you can really trust is going to be in your court, I think is like super, super important for filmmakers. So um, he was great. And, you know, honestly, it's really funny because you'd think that I would have realized this, but it literally wasn't. Until, I felt like such an idiot once when, when the because landing up had was a worldwide deal like initially mm -hmm. and so the movie came out and i had all these friends out of the country who were like oh how do we watch the movie and i'm like oh it's like it's on these platforms They're like we can't watch it and i was like what and i went back and looked at it i was like oh shit they're only distributing this in the u.s and canada yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you didn't realize that. No. that that's what they wanted to do because like, we went back to them and they were like no we're only doing the u.s and canada and i was like oh all right Okay. I guess I thought that like we were done trying to distribute this, uh, but no. <laughs> so yeah. we actually, that's where the self-distribution came in and we self-distributed it internationally. And actually okay. it just came out really. It took us such a, a minute to get our ducks in a row for doing it ourselves because, you know, everything is so much work. Like everything is such a process and we were spending time promoting this release and, going through that and so finally we got it together like in january too just like just like this january huh it's like this january yeah but like it literally yeah. it was like i think two weeks ago that it actually officially came out internationally like everywhere so yeah can you take me through that process a little bit like what what are the challenges to um taking that on yourself internationally i i can only imagine how difficult it might be because there's, you know, how many and countries out there to work with and every, every, every country is going to be different that, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, if we had sold it territory by territory, that's probably true. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you would have had to get a separate distributor, like in each different country and they would pick it up and do their thing with it. We didn't really do it that way. We just went through film hub and excluded uh, the see. US and Canada from the release. Um, I see. That but actually sense. I'll say people like, the process with film hub was super easy. Uh, and I think that that was just because we had all of our ducks in a row with all the deliverables we'd already had to do. So it was like, for us, it was very yeah. simple. There was almost no waiting period. It was picked up by multiple platforms, like almost immediately. Okay. That's cool. Um, so uh, what kind of pr promotional work have you done to accompany that then? Nothing. And that's <laughs> something that's on my list for now. <laughs> okay. So what kind of promotional work are you planning on doing then? I'm planning on doing sort of like country specific little graphics that we are going to put out there and just put you know a little bit of money on instagram marketing like just targeting like those countries with it mm -hmm. and like specifically like london i think is a great place because it's so you know it's theater forward it has a yeah. huge theater scene there maybe france too there's there's certain countries where we're like okay we want to spend some actual 
not like tons. I mean, you know, we're not going to spend like tons and tons of money on it, but it is a plan to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's on sense. the table, but you know, everything, everything costs so much money and takes so much time and there's only so much time and money. And so it's, it's true. And it, and the two compete, right? <laughs> there's, you know, like you can sometimes spend more time, but it's at the expense of earning money or what have you and vice versa. You can get more money, but oh, you don't have any sure. time, you know? So for yeah. Sure. And it's, it's really hard. It's hard as if, because yeah, like we freelance. So yeah, we only make money if we're working. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, I mean, that, I think that's the, that's the reality of a lot of filmmakers these days is, is freelancing, you know, kind of the, doing the client related work or corporate work or commercial work or what have you and, and pulling the money it. and then I mean, using some of that any other way. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely like, yeah, there's only so much time and you can't just drop money into your own projects forever, right. you know? Like I said, we did that once with Landing Up and that was, I have no regrets about doing that because like I said, it wasn't so much money that we didn't, like we didn't drop, like, no. And just to be clear, just to be clear, we did not spend the whole, we did have other people who gave us money for example, okay. Landing Up. It was yeah. not all of our money. That was not, that was not our, we did not put in the entire budget for that movie. Understood. We did have other money. We did have crowdfunding. Like we did yeah. have other sources besides us. It was like, we really put in, like there was like an initial chunk that we put in to like get through production. And there was a chunk that we put in that was like, this is the marketing and this is the mm-hmm. finishing of it. Right. Because at that point we had run out of any mon- other money. Right, right. So with, with Triple Threat and kind of your foreign self-distribution is is that at this point have you exhausted your investments and this is really digging into your own money to do that promotional stuff or yeah okay so that Uh, we did have one of our investors did give us some money to do some like further promotional stuff of it which is nice but i mean what's nice about now you know you're talking about so many years later and we're so much more into our careers. So like besties, like me and Mars and our also production company partner, Jackie, who's our VP of development. We do work as a company that we have income for. Mm-hmm. Um, so like some, some of that money goes towards this too. Yeah. So, if, and we also sometimes will say like, okay, we're collectively going to put some money into the company to like pay for certain things. But like, we also have income that as a company, when the company makes money, that money is more towards like our projects and like getting our, like our personal projects off the ground. Like that's how we spend that money that the company makes, if that makes sense. Yep. Total. Because we all have other jobs that like pay for our life. Yep. Yep. Totally makes sense. I mean, that, so like again, we have our life jobs and yep. then we have besties that also like has its own set of income that that yep. income doesn't, we don't take a salary out of that. Like that just okay. goes towards like our art. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, again, that's the way a lot of filmmakers are doing it these days, you know, so. Um, yeah, uh, so like just to, yeah, there's there's not just like this infinite amount of money that like we put yeah. in of our own money into our projects. Right. Like we, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I, I was never <laughs> intending to imply that in any way. Uh, I, I know <laughs> so, I'm not, I'm not yeah, trying to imply that you're like, independently wealthy happened. and just have an infinite supply of money to no, spend. No, I get it. No, we all yep. have to pay rent. We all yep. have a lot of bills. We all live yep. in yep. expensive yep. cities. No. no doubt. So, uh, so what's next? What are you working on next? Uh, so next I'm working on Deathless, which is a super cool film. Um, we actually optioned the feature version of it. And now we're making a short to like help get the feature financed. Um, oh, cool. So we're actually shooting the short at the end of the month. I'm super excited about this project. Yeah. Um, I'm also working on, 
We have a mini series called Mashed that I directed and that did super well at festivals. It won awards at some really great festivals. And now we're developing it partly into a doc and partly into a long form series. So there's a lot of work being done on that. And so, yeah, we'll see. Lots lots of irons in the fire. (laughs) Sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of sum up in terms of distribution strategies for other filmmakers, what you've learned about distribution, any words of wisdom or advice that you want to pass on? Yeah. um, I said it before. I said it earlier. I'll say it very clearly. Cast matters. Okay. Cast matters. When it comes to distribution, when it comes to, if you want somebody to especially back you, like a distributor to back you, cast Mm -hmm. 100% matters. Cast also matters for just random people clicking on your movie. Like they say that it doesn't, it does. (laughs) Actually, I don't know who says that it doesn't, but if anybody tells you it doesn't, they're wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. yep. I'm, I'm going to stand on that hill and say, like, no, no, no. I got it. I'm with you. And I mean, it's, you know, it makes sense because you're browsing through stuff to watch on your TV and you click on something. And if you see a face that you recognize, then that, you know, that's def- definitely a draw for viewers. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, something else I'll say is that I think that you definitely can make money self-distributing for sure. Like I said, we're self-distributing triple thread internationally. Um, I think we'll see money from that. I also think that we have benefited from having entities behind us who have helped us with that, meaning actual distribution companies. I don't think that that's completely dead. I do think it depends on your movie. I think it depends on the type of movie you have and what it is, but you can't just throw your movie up on film hub and think people are going to watch it. You know, there's thousands and thousands of movies out there and it's really hard to find them. You're still going to have to do marketing PR, like all of that is important to get eyeballs on your movie. And yeah, there are movies who make a lot of money self-distributing a hundred percent. That is possible. It's really hard. It's really hard anyway. I mean, all of it is really hard anyway, unless you have a major like neon or a 24, it's, you're going to be doing a lot of it yourself, regardless of if you have somebody behind you. So like, be prepared to do the work, be prepared to do the work and have your ducks in a row. Cause like all those deliverables, it can look super overwhelming. Um, so even having an idea of what distributors are going to ask you for as you're in production is helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You can't go wrong being as prepared as you can possibly be um, in filmmaking and in distribution, I think. you know. So yeah, yeah makes sense. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to cover that we didn't cover? Anything else you want to say? Uh, for sure. Um, I'll just leave people with make your art, make your movie, make the things that you're passionate about and... People will come, people will watch it if you do the work. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, right. Um, To do the work. And yeah, it's really cool. I'm actually the guest festival director this year for the Art of Brooklyn Film Festival. Mars and I are both the guest festival directors. So if you have a feature out there, we will be watching the narrative features. So submit them to us. Okay. Um, And it's really cool watching this many people's movies because you learn so much watching them. And I'm so excited that independent film is alive and well. Yeah, no doubt. I I agree with you completely. And that's one of the joys of doing this podcast too, is, uh, you know, unlike some podcast hosts, I think who maybe don't watch the movies of all their guests, I make it a point to do so, Um, you know, and 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 I I really appreciate that. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I want to do it too. I want to be able to get that context for the interviews and what people are working on, but also I just want to see what 
people are making and and people you know not just the movies that i hear about that are advertised everywhere and stuff like that but what real indie filmmakers are making um and gives me a chance to see all these movies that i probably wouldn't see otherwise um so i, I think that's great one last thing of advice yeah. i'll give is and stamina you have to have <laughs> a lot of stamina in indie film because most of the time your movie's coming out three years after you've made it yep. and you've already put in so much time and so much effort and so much sweat and tears and hard work. And you think like, God, isn't somebody just going to come along and put it out there and pay me for everything. That <laughs> and the truth is, is that when it comes to distribution, you have to have just as much stamina as when you are on set for 15 hours a day, you know, like you have to have the stamina to keep going, to do all those promotional things and materials and, you just have to have stamina to keep going through your distribution process because you you're probably already going to be wanting to make your next movie at that point, but you got to get that one out there. And that's a big part of the distribution process, I think. Yep. Great words, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it comes up just about on every interview that I do for this podcast is this notion that filmmakers these days are not just filmmakers. They can't just be filmmakers. They can't just make their films and then drop them and somebody else will pick up the baton and whatever, you know, it's, it's a whole process, you know, it's a, from development all the way through very latest end point of your distribution. And not only are you with it for that whole process, but you need to be thinking about that end point of distribution when you're in development. So that like three years before you're even doing it, when you're just thinking about pre-production, it's like that. All you want to be thinking about is making the movie, but you really got to be thinking about where is this movie ultimately going to end up and how am I going to get it out there and how am I going to get people to see it? So important for filmmakers to be thinking that way, I think. So, okay. yeah, cool. Uh, okay, so yeah, lastly, any contact information, any any websites or things you want to plug? You know, now's your chance. Uh, yeah, you can find, you can find Triple Threat <laughs> at tripletheatfilm.net. You can find Besties Make Movie at bestiesmakemovies.com. You can find me at stacylmalton.com or basically any social platform at stacylmalton at bestiesmakemovies or there. We're findable. You can okay. find us. Sounds great. All right, Watch well. Triple Threat. All right. Well, that's all for today. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Then spread the word. Tell your friends because I'm just starting out so I can use all the help I can get to grow the show and reach a wider audience of independent filmmakers and others who just want to try to understand this uh, crazy, crazy world of independent film distribution. Also, uh, I would love to hear your feedback, positive, negative, whatever. Comments, questions, suggestions, send them my way. Uh, if you have guests in mind whose experiences you want to hear about, let me know, and I'll do my best to get them on the show. If you know people who have experience with self or creative distribution, please put me in touch. I'm on Twitter at JustScreenIt. My Instagram is JustScreenItPodcast. Or you can just email me at JustScreenIt at DarkRosePictures.com. Uh, by the way, darkrosepictures.com is my in-progress website for my feature and my other projects, uh, but it's not really up just yet, uh, just a coming soon banner right now, but the full site is coming very, very soon uh, if you want to follow my work. Anyway, that is truly all for now. I have lots more great guests lined up in the coming weeks. I'll be putting an episode up once or twice a week for the foreseeable future, so stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Thanks.